0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. It's hard to believe we're almost out of the book of 1 Corinthians. It's been quite a journey as we've walked through it. It's amazing to see the number of hot topics that we've been dealing with as uh, a nation and as a world. Have They just come out when you go through the books of the Bible. And so uh, today we are... Kind of finishing up Paul's point on the resurrection by looking at the second half of First Corinthians chapter fifteen. If you'd like to join in the word and read this along, there is a pew, a Bible in the pew in front of you, or if you have the Bible app on your phone from U uh, Version, then you can follow along on the events tab as well, or you can just listen. Uh, the words, the main points will be on the screen. Well. Last week, Paul taught us in the first half of Corinthians 15 that Jesus' resurrection was and is the most single important event in all of history and all of Christianity. You see, without Jesus' resurrection, everything falls apart. It's kind of like that old game Jenga where you move one block and the whole thing falls. The resurrection is the core principle Oh, Christianity. Folks, we would be wasting our time this morning together if there was no such thing as the resurrection. But thankfully, Jesus did rise from the dead. He did what he said he would do and he, is, he was 100% human but also 100% God. So Paul takes the resurrection one step further by teaching the church at Corinth and teaching you and I what Jesus' resurrection means for us today and for eternity. If you've ever ever sat at the side of a casket of a loved one, you will realize the benefit of the resurrection. It's more than just what you celebrate in Easter when you get a new shirt or a new outfit. It is so much more. That is more than the candy and the Easter eggs. We see here that we can find hope in the resurrection. If we look at one Corinthians fifteen, starting with verse twenty, we see that Jesus was. The first to resurrect. We always talk about remembering our firsts. Maybe our first kiss or our first dance, our first day of school or the first day on the open road of life when you get your license and you can drive by yourself. Or maybe the first day at your new job. Or maybe even somebody that becomes a believer. They just they remember what it was like. They felt like they could take on hell with a water pistol when Jesus first came into their lives. And that may be you. It was that resurrection power coming into our life. But it's important to note that Jesus Christ was the first to resurrect. Look at verse 20 and 23. We're skipping around just a little bit. It says in verse 20, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. Some translations say He is the first fruits. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised first to the harvest, and then all who belong to Christ will be raised when He comes back. Now, folks, you you have read enough Bible or heard enough Bible stories to know that there are people that were brought back from the dead. Maybe you heard of a guy named Lazarus, or maybe uh you've read about when Elijah uh, restored this woman's um this woman's son, or even Jesus would bring people uh the the sick child, brought the sick child back to life, Jairus's daughter that was. And so people have been dead and come back to life only to die again. Jesus Christ was the first to resurrect. When he came back to life, he has not died. He died once, and he is never going to die again. That is the beauty of the resurrection. He was the first to resurrect. And you see, we find hope in the resurrection of Jesus through following him in our own life and death. Because we see here in the Old Testament, the first fruit offering is basically. Uh, they would take the bundle of grain from their harvest, and it's kind of like where we get tithing from. It's not that you pay all your bills, then you say, well, I'll give God a tip. I'll give him the leftover. You say, this is everything that I've got. God gets the first fruits. God gets the first bale of grain in the harvest. God gets that. And so Jesus Christ, Paul is, is kind of equating Jesus Christ with God's best, the best of the best. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, that since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So when you celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just as we sang about there rose a lamb, we can also celebrate for all those who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we can also celebrate that we are going to resurrect as well. My friend, have you really lived in the power of that thought? Of knowing if you have accepted Jesus Christ in your life as your personal Savior and Lord, one day you will resurrect just like Jesus did. He showed us what it would be like. And so, we see that Jesus paid the entrance fee. There's, there's nothing worse. I remember years ago when we went to a big theme park down in Florida. Actually went to a couple of them. And the prices are astronomical. Some of you still go to that great Mecca in Florida. And hey, I understand it. But I'm telling you what, those prices are crazy, aren't they? Or if you go to, nowadays you go to a movie, or you go to a concert, you go to a restaurant. I mean, the price of admission is high these days. But my friend, there is no price higher than the admission to heaven, which was the cost of Jesus sacrificing so that we can be there. So I want you to understand that the resurrection says that Jesus Christ paid your entrance fee into heaven. That's what that means. Then we also see that Christians can find hope in Jesus Christ as the last Adam. Look at verses 21 and 22. It says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, talking about Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who believes, who belongs to Christ, will be given a new life. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here that the first Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, male and female, Adam and Eve, they are the ones that brought sin into the world. They sinned which started the curse of sin in Genesis. And that's what we've been working against our entire lives. But Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that he thereby bringing death into the world. The reason your heart is broken when someone gives you or a loved one the diagnosis of cancer or some other disease. The reason you weep at a funeral. The reason you feel like your body when you get older, you, your mind says you can do what you've always used to do, but your body tells you... Another story. Our bodies wear out. Our, our hair gets whiter or looser. <laughs> Gravity takes us toll on our bodies. We've got creaks and pains and all that kind of stuff like that. That is because of the curse of sin and death. From the moment we are born, we begin the dying process. That's morbid, but that's because of what Adam did by bringing sin into this world. But the last Adam, meaning Jesus Christ... He is the last Adam. He came from heaven. You see, Adam came from the earth. Remember, he was a pile of dust and God blew the Ruah, the spirit of life, into that dirt which made Adam. But here, Jesus came down from heaven and he did not bring sin. He brought the forgiveness of sin. He brought grace and he brought eternal life. And then we see the Christians find hope in the establishment of God's kingdom. Look at verses 24 to 28. After that, the end will come, and he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. I don't know what our news channels are going to do when all of the earthly powers fall. I don't know what the Democrats and the Republicans and the Independents are going to do when their power doesn't matter anymore. Because it says right here, for the scriptures say in verse 27, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. In other words, that saying that, that God is in control, but it does not mean that Christ is any less of a divine human being. Then when we all are under His authority, the Son will put Himself under God's authority, so the God who gave us Son authority over all things will be utterly and supremely over everything. Paul, what He's doing here, He's referencing the point in time in which Jesus presents all believers to God. Every ruler with people power will be defeated, including the devil and His demons. But look real close at verse twenty-eight. I got to throw this in there, where it says, "Then we will, then when all things are under His authority, the Son will put Himself under God's authority." Some will take that verse and make it sound like that. Um, they say that this proves that Jesus and God are not equal because the verse says that He falls under God's authority. But look at this like a father and a son. The father will always be the father, the son will always be the son. They are from the same family, they are from the same DNA, and they are they are the same in the sense of being a human being, but the father, there is an order. How do I know there is an order? Because when the father acts out of that order, or the child acts out of that order, there is strife, right? So this is not saying that Jesus is any less of anything. This is just saying that Jesus is falling under the authority of God. And then there is order in the resurrection. We see in uh, verses 29 through 34. And before I read that, just about things being in order. And I may have said this before because this is a hot topic in our house. Are you ready? I'm going to go ahead and and give you a little insight to the Strickland home. When you walk in, uh, we go through... We come in the door through the garage. The door goes up. We go in and we go through the little laundry room and we're in the kitchen. And then right there, so conveniently, is a counter. Do you all have it, one of those counters in your house where when you walk in, you got the mail, it goes right there. you got something in your hand, it goes right there. you got all your junk, it's going to go right there. And then I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'll get that later and before you know it, Junk, 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 and then all of a sudden I can tell she starts twitching. You know? You have got your stuff all over this counter! And I'm like, yes, but you've got some stuff too. That never works out, guys. Don't, don't point their stuff out on the counter also. And but the whole thing is, is that it doesn't matter how immaculate the house is, because I've got to say, uh, Donna does an amazing job at our house with keeping it presentable and clean and in the midst of all the stuff I probably do to go against it. But but if that counter is messed up, but now on the opposite side of that, if the whole house is in shambles, if that counter is clear, I'm good. Because there has to be an order. Men, come on. How many times has your wife ask you a question that she already knows the answer to? You know what I'm talking about? Do those go there? She knows the answer. It doesn't go there. But yeah, we put it there. and we, I guess we thought it. But don't tell her, yes, that's where it goes. Because that, too, is not a good answer. But the thing is, is that you all know yourselves. There, when things are in order... Things seem to be happier. And folks, when it comes to the resurrection, there is a God-ordained order, uh, order. Look at verse 29. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless someday rise again? So Paul, he's this is a, a, an argument tactic. What he's doing, when I first read this, I'm like, what do you mean baptizing for those that are dead? There are some Cults, there are some beliefs that believe that if your loved one dies, you can be baptized in this earth and it will impact them in there. The Mormons are, are one of these groups. They have baptisms for the dead. So if your you're uncle, grandfather, cousin or whatever and they lived a very bad life and everybody knew it, you could go get baptized. And under that, they believed that that baptism would travel through the ethosphere, if that's even a word. And it would benefit them. But no, so what Paul is saying, look, if you've got guys that believe that this is right, then why is it such a stretch for you to believe that God's own followers, Christ's own followers, would also resurrect as well? He says in verse 30, Why should we ourselves risk our lives by the hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ has done for the Lord in you. And what value is there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there was no resurrection from the dead? When he says wild beast fighting wild beasts, he may have been in one of those situations where they would take Christians and they would put them in the middle of the Colosseum and they would put a hungry lion or some type of animal that has not eaten and they would release that lion and then that lion or whatever would come out and devour that Christian. That was spectacle for them. That was a day at the football game for the people of that area. And so we don't know whether Paul had been in that situation or he may have just been con- talking about all the people that gave him such a hard time. Maybe he was calling them beasts. We don't know. But we do know this. Paul had a struggle and hard time. And he's saying, what good is it to go through all of this if the resurrection is a lie? If there is no resurrection, let's fe- feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things as, for bad company corrupts good character. I bet you heard your grandmother say that. Bad company corrupts good character. I guess the uh, the more southern version of that would be, if you lay down with dogs, you get fleas. But think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For you, for to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. What was happening here is that the Christians in Corinth They were getting some bad information about the resurrection. There were groups called Sadducees. They were Jewish leaders that did not believe in the resurrection. There was a lot of Greek philosophers that felt like they would sit in ivy halls and just talk about human reasoning. And they would all reason away the fact that the resurrection was not real. And so what Paul is telling the church at Corinth is he's saying, quit listening to the woke theology of everything that's around you and quit letting it Dilute your faith in the resurrection and believe what God says, believe what his word says, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and you as a believer will also resurrect one day. He's trying to get the, the church to refocus. And then the third thing that we see is that we find hope in the how of the resurrection. We find hope in the how of the resurrection. He says, but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Paul actually says, what a foolish question. He calls them fools. If You ever saw the old Sanford and Son episode? You remember that when he'd call um, all those guys coming to house, Fred Sanford would call him you're a fool? This was not a compliment. Yes, he calls them foolish. He says, and this is a beautiful, beautiful illustration. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one for humans, another for animals, Another for birds and another for fish. So yes, God differentiates humans from animals and fish and birds. But what a beautiful illustration here, folks. When the body of a believer is buried in whatever form it is in. I've heard some people say, Preacher, don't even talk to me about cremation. I don't even want to talk about it. Well, I don't know what your preference is on that, but I figure God made us out of dirt, so I figure like... Cremation is probably not going to be that big a stretch for him. He's God, right? But also, and I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and do that. But also, what if somebody is in a horrific, tragic accident and they, they are buried and, and they're not complete, if you know what I mean. Is, is that somehow going to hinder God? If someone was born with a disability, does that mean that they in the afterlife they're stuck with that for eternity? No! This is God. And so it, it, it causes me to reevaluate as I buried my parents and I've buried many people in our church. What Paul is saying is, is because of resurrection, when you, when you bury people, when you put them in the ground or you put them in the vault or wherever you place them, it is no different than when you take a seed and you plant it in the ground. You take that seed and you plant it in the ground and then one day, prayerfully, it grows into something beautiful. How many farmers do you see? That they, they plant the seed and then they come back and there's wheat, there's grain, there's there's vegetables, there's fruit. And they go, oh my goodness, my seed has changed. I planted a seed and it came out like this. No, we know that I am not big into horticulture. I was not part of the 4-H club. But I will tell you this, I do know that a seed is meant to. To die so whatever it is will grow. So my friends, my loved ones, let me tell you what. Is that when we place people into the ground, if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, they are like that seed. And one day they will resurrect and they will be beautiful. They will be whole. They will not have their earthly body. They will have their heavenly body. And I don't know if it's just going to be in the blink of an eye. I don't know if it's going to be like Star Trek where they're beaming them up. I don't know what it's gonna be like, but I know that we are gonna have our heavenly bodies because God's Word says it. So when you go to that grave, when you prepare your own grave, when you think about death, I want you to understand that that is the last stop for this earthly body because the next thing is going to be our heavenly bodies. Our earthly bodies must die. To become our heavenly bodies. Period. The bodies that we are resurrected with are made for eternity. And I gotta say this, I'm not gonna get a red in face and start doing hell, fire, and brimstone, but I am gonna tell you just as our bodies, eternal bodies are made for heaven, for those that reject Jesus Christ, they're getting eternal bodies that are made for eternal torment and pain. Verse 45 says as the scriptures tell us the first adam became a living person but the last adam that is christ is a living life-giving spirit what comes first is the natural body and then the spiritual body comes later but look at verse 51 but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret we will all not we will all not die but we will all be transformed and then as we as we heard just a few minutes ago in that song. I love this passage in verse 54. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the Scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives its power. But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. On that day, Satan thought he was victorious when he tempted Adam and Eve. On that day, Satan thought he was victorious when Jesus Christ died for your sins and mine. But God used the resurrection of Jesus to overcome Satan and his impact on this world. This is why we can have hope in dark. Days. This is why we can have hope when walking through funeral homes and graveyards. Death has been defeated. And it's not going to take Botox. It's not going to take the fountain of youth. It's not going to take AI or technology. We may be able to prolong life, but we are not able to reverse life. We are not able to resurrect. That is only something God can, will, and ever will do. Yes, we may be able to bring somebody back to life. Yes, maybe someone died and they went and saw heaven, but then they came back. But I guarantee you they will die again unless Jesus Christ comes back. Because only Jesus resurrected and we as followers will do the same. And I close with the last verse, verse 58, that says, what is in the resurrection for you? That's what everybody wants to know today. What's in it for me, preacher? Everything you do for the Lord now has meaning for eternity. Everything you do for the Lord now has meaning in eternity. What does he say? So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. If you've ever been serving the Lord, and you've been tired, and you've been beat up, and you've been fatigued, you've been angry, you've been pleased with yourself, I don't know, you insert your whatever feeling there. But I want you to know, the devil wants to tell you, you just wasted your time. You just really... You could, have been, you could have been out on the beach. Yeah, we could have been. But you know what? What we do for the Lord is never useless. Do not be discouraged, believer. Your struggles today are not in vain. Do not let the grind of this world take the joy away from serving God. You are making a difference, Homeland Park Baptist Church. Victory doesn't depend on your efforts. Jesus took care of that at the resurrection. So no matter how bad this world gets, death has been defeated and it will get better one day. Believer, you have the hope of heaven. You know, I often wonder what our heavenly bodies are going to look like. I hope it doesn't look like this. Uh but you know, there are some people that say, well, when you go to heaven, the people, you'll recognize everybody, but our bodies aren't going to, we'll have our heavenly bodies. It won't look like this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know it's got to be better than what I got. Maybe it'll be a little less of it. Uh, but, but you know, when when I think about the resurrected body, we're not going to be like something you see in Hollywood like a little apparition or some kind of angelic being just floating around and singing Gregorian chants and all that kind of stuff like that. If you want a good idea of what our resurrection bodies are going to be like, just read the account of Jesus after his resurrection. He came back, didn't he? He came back for a while. Hundreds of people saw him. He was actually, this was a cool party trick, he was able to walk through locked doors. He was able to walk through walls. But he was also, he had the physical part of, he offered Tom's to say, hey dude, if you doubt, go ahead and put your finger in my side here. If you don't believe me. And then before he left for good, until he comes back again, before he left for good, he's on the beach. He says, hey guys, come on over, let's have a fish fry. And he's actually eating fish with them. The fish is not floating in the air where his stomach should be, he's having a meal with him. So I don't know what it's going to look like, but we're not going to look like some Hollywood-generated AI, and we're not going to be some kind of Casper the Friendly Ghost. We're going to be in whatever God makes us, but it's going to be beautiful. We're going to recognize everybody, and it's going to be wonderful. But that's the hope that we have as Christians. And so, my friend, I know that you've been on both sides of the casket when it comes to the funerals. You've been there standing with your loved one. And you've been going and visiting somebody. That is standing there. And you know there's a list of about five or ten things. That we always say in here. At a funeral. I'm not going to go through them. But if I ever lose somebody. Again. Just tell me this. It just gets better. It just gets better and here's the bad thing if there's somebody here today that's listening to this message whether it be on the video or if they listen to it on the podcast or they you're just here today there's gonna be somebody say preacher yeah yeah resurrection jesus yada yada i get it i'm gonna go ahead and tell you folks if you do not believe in christ this is as good as it gets and if you if you don't believe in this, I'm going to go ahead and lovingly tell you, you live like you want to live. You get as wild and crazy, and you enjoy it because this is as good as it gets. Uh, one friend said this about a different situation. He said, "You uh, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes," meaning that. If you think that, that all of these years, this book that has been banned, this book that has been, they've tried to destroy it. They've tried to, to take it out of society that still keeps going strong. Jesus is still here today. And if you think that, that look, that's not for you, that's fine. I, I, I'm not going to judge you. Matter of fact, I would have more respect for somebody who says, I don't believe it. I'm going to live like I want to live because you're not trying to live in both worlds. But my friends, let me just tell you, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, what you're experiencing now is as good as it gets. But my friends, if you believe in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what you go through here. It's going to get a lot better. If you Young ones, if you don't believe that, talk to some of our older ladies in our church, some of our older men in our church that... As you get older, and I'm even finding it myself, not to be morbid, but the older you get, the more welcoming you become of whatever is going to happen at the end, if you are a believer. But it all depends on what you do right now in this earth. Do you love Jesus Christ? Is he the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you given your life to Jesus? That is the ticket that is paid for you for admission to heaven. Jesus paid it. You must accept it, and you must walk in it, and you must live it. We just, we just had VBS and, and I've told this before, but, you know, we have a time where we have kids and adults, they raise their hand to receive Christ and, and those, those decisions are going to need follow up because I do not want somebody thinking if they raise the hand or walk the aisle that they're automatically saved, that there is no change in their lives. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together today. Dear Heavenly Father, if nothing else, Paul has done a fantastic job of laying out the resurrection for us to understand it. It's important. It's expected. It is longed for. And so, Lord, as we have believers of different ages here today that are all in different places with you spiritually, please help them to know that today they have the hope of heaven and eternity. And if there may be one person here today that is unsure that they have Jesus Christ in their life, if they are still stuck in their sins and their ways and they can't get out of it, they're not going to be able to do it themselves, Lord. You can lift them out. You can give them the power that they need to get out from under their circumstances and to be hopeful of what you have in store for eternity. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the Son. And thank you for the opportunity if anybody wants to come today to know your son, to join this church, or to be baptized, that they can do that at this time. Would you please stand?